God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. There he is, with the bedazzled hat, with the red Ray-Bans. Got the red Ray-Bans. Well, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay, and uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. What did uh what's Santa bringing to you this year? Uh peace and joy. That's what I specifically ordered on Uber Eats from Santa. From I ordered it from the North Pole. You gotta order early if you're ordering on an Uber Eats with the North Pole. You know, I never did Uber Eats until about a couple of months ago. I just never occurred to me. And I was riding here in the studio and I don't normally eat during a write, but the person I was writing was like, man, I'm really hungry. And I didn't have, we didn't have enough time for us to stop the right to go eat. Right. And they were like, let's just do Uber Eats. And I was like, okay, I could not believe how awesome it was. Wasn't that much more expensive. It was at, at my house within 20 minutes, a little Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And then I used it probably every day that week. I got kind of hooked on it. And then I was using it on the road, dude. We were, we were doing Uber Eats to the fucking bus. That's how lazy we were. Nice. What's your Uber Eats sitch out, out where you live? I've never used it just because, uh, I don't know, man. I have a hard time with uh, some random person fondling my food before I get it. That is the one thing about it, isn't it? They could be doing anything. I guess I've read stories before about like people taking <laughs> taking a couple of French fries for themselves. or Yeah, I feel like I saw that like in a movie or something right. where they were doing that. So yeah, it's too much to think about. So I don't, I haven't done it. But my son does it on the reg, right? I think it's a young person thing. I mean, he's ordered Uber Eats while I've been in the house. Yeah, and I'm like, I'll just make you something, bud. I'm like, are you hungry? And he's like, I already ate. I'm like, what'd you eat? And he's like, oh, I had some Uber Eats. Here's what the kids are doing these days. They're just doing two things. <clears throat> they're not doing drugs and they're not having sex. But here are the two things they are doing: ordering Uber Eats and Investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> and doing drugs <laughs> and having sex. And then the drugs and sex are the third and fourth things. But I actually saw an article. I mean, you know, you have a teenage son, so you know this more than me, but that a lot of the a lot of the youth these days having a lot less sex, doing a lot less drugs. They're less interested. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I haven't I've I've tried to talk girls with my son and little birds and bees talk. So far mums the word. <laughs> yeah. But he's going to parties, and right. I have a feeling he's uh, partaking of the, uh, I don't know, I feel like he's probably taking a hit off the old bong or whatever. How old is he? 15 or, 15 or 16? Six, 16. I started going to parties when I was 13, and I was definitely getting into as much trouble as I could at those parties. I mean, I was, when I was 15, I was drinking in Germany, going to bars, but there's no drinking age. Yeah. And I mean, I was drinking at home. My parents didn't care. And I don't care if my son drinks or smokes pot. I really don't. I mean, he's going to do what he wants to do. Right. I'm, you know, me telling him, hey, don't do that. I'm just, I just, you know, as long as he doesn't drive, I don't care. Billie Eilish came out on the Howard Stern show and said that she started watching porn when she was 12. And that she's really upset about it. She thinks it had a really devastating psychological impact on her. And now at 19, 
she feels like her ideas of sex are warped because of the porn that she saw. Do you think about that with your children? I'm sure that's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think porn's healthy at all for anybody. Really? Mm-mm. I mean, no, it's 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 horrible. I mean, when you really get down to it, it's pretty uh, pretty bad all the way around. Really? It's not like people that are in love with each other, filming each other, have, making sweet love. It's people exploiting people because they don't have any money and, uh, you know, acting out stuff that's not real. And then people watching that and thinking that that's what sex is or life is or, you know, and it's just not, that's just not what it is. Don't you feel like though that's a similar, similar argument that the people make about, you know, violence in society is because of video games or because of the movies, people that people see a movie and they think that life is like a diehard movie. To me, that seems like a similar argument. I, I think that, I mean, I, I actually was talking with this bell about this yesterday. I've been watching porn since I was 12 or maybe even a little earlier. And I haven't become some sort of sexual monster. I don't treat my real relationships like they're scenes from pornography it seems as easy for me to separate the fantasy of porn from the reality of my intimate relationships as it is for me to watch John Wick and know that <clears throat> not everyone's a ninja assassin. But that's just the movies, and I'm not tempted to confuse that with reality. And the idea too that she's talking about that I've heard I've heard people say is that it just if you if you look at porn, it has to get more and more extreme for you to get off. Right? I'm sure you've heard that before. I'm still looking at pretty much the same porn I looked at when I was a kid. I haven't turned into some sort of monster sexually, you know. But again, that's just my experience. I don't like to look at any porn that's new. I only like porn from when I was younger. Like, I I immediately do vintage. I put on vintage filter, and then I go from there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, well, when I, I said when I said you. when I said the same as when I was a kid, I didn't mean the exact same scenes. I just meant the same kind, which is I'm just watching, I'm watching the same people <laughs> that I watched when I was a teenager. <laughs> now, whoa, that is a trip. I don't know. There's just something more charming about that '90s porn or '80s porn. Porn's like Snickers bar. You know, if you if you have one Snickers bar every once in a while, that's fine, right? But if you're eating ten Snickers bars a day, it's not good for you. Right, it's not food. It's it's, it's not, not food. it's not healthy food. It is food. It's just not right. healthy food. It's good. And yeah. Porn's just not it's not healthy for you. It's not good for you. But no now, one's tempted to blame the cake industry for people who eat too much cake. You know what I'm saying? There's normal people look at cake and they go, "You know what? Cake's nice, real sugary, tastes great. A real treat." But I should only have cake at parties or for certain events. But there are people out there who are like, cake is so good. Why would I eat anything other than cake? And then what happens is they become obese fat people because they eat cake and you can't eat cake every day. It'll make you fat. And no one's tempted to say, we really need to target the cake industry because people are confusing cake for healthy food. Right. I'm obese. I don't eat cake every day. But everywhere I go, there's food drugs that are being within arm's reach. It used to be when you went to the gas station to fill up your cart all they had there was gas maybe they had a coke machine uh in front but they didn't have like a full grocery store full of drugs uh and when i say drugs i mean food drugs when i go to michael's to pick up some art supplies uh oh 
by the way, while you're waiting in line, here are food drugs available for you. And I mean, if if they're just constantly around and you're not diligent, you're just going to it's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine if I have this delicious little bag of uh, powdered, cheddar. Powdered donuts. No, cheddar flavored ruffles. It's fine. Because they were there. They wouldn't, if, if, if they weren't there, you know, they were outlawed. They're not. They're, it's legal. And same with porn. It's like, well, it's there. It's available. It must be okay. It's not okay. There's nothing about it. That's fine. There's nothing about Ruffles, uh, sour cream and onion potato chips. That's fine. There's nothing about porn. That's fine. But who cares? I want to eat some Ruffles. I want to fucking watch porn. I want to fucking have a fucking AK-47. I want to fucking smoke dope. I want to fucking drink whiskey. Whatever it is that we want to do. You are describing a normal Monday morning for me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> got my AR-15. Yeah. I got my dope. I'm just saying it's uh, just like call it what it is. It, it, it's not good, but who cares? There's lots of things that aren't good. That Diet Coke that's that you're drinking, that's not good for you. But, you know, it's it's makes you feel good. And you got to, you know, that's the thing. You're alive and you've got a certain amount of time on the planet. What's going to make you feel good versus what's going to make you feel bad? And then how do you balance that? Well, I'm watching Billie Eilish talk about that, and I'm like, well, I know that she still looks at porn probably every day. It must be she's in some sort of psychological war about it. I, I'm I'm thankfully free of that. I don't struggle with it that hard. When I started masturbating, I was watching pictures on a page. I had Playboy magazine, I had Penthouse magazine, and Hustler. That's what I masturbated to. Now I wasn't. How did you procure those those items? I worked at a. Uh, place called the stars and stripes bookstore and part of my job was if the magazine didn't sell we took the cover off we sent the cover back to the publisher to prove that we didn't sell the magazine and then my job was to take the magazines and paperback books without covers to the incinerator and take all the stuff i could masturbate to or read home with me and put the rest in the incinerator right so i had a, an entire like, you know, hundreds of paperback books that if you looked, you know, in the bookcase, they looked fine. But if you pulled one out, you realize, oh, there's no cover on any of these books. <laughs> this guy must work at a bookstore. And then also I had a bunch of porn that had no cover. Let me ask but, you this. Where did you keep that smut? Where was your I secret <laughs> hiding place? <laughs> I mean, I kept it in the closet. I'm sure it wasn't that secret. Here's here's what you don't want to do as a parent. You don't want to come across the secret stash of your kid's porn. No. Like, at a certain point, at this at this stage, I enter my son's room the same way the uh, jester enters the realm of the of the king who's grumpy all the time. Like, very, like, I'm knocking a bunch of times. I'm making my presence known before I'm not like doing that thing that they, that guy did on Seinfeld where he's barging in his son's room. Right. You know, cause you don't want to know, you don't want to see that. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to touch it. I don't even go after he leaves the house. I don't touch anything in that room for at least two days. <laughs> let it all call, let it all settle down in there. I let everything dry out in there that, that might be damp. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then I'll go and dude. Give that him is so funny. Are you are you in a way when you do that? Are you basically treating him the way you wish you'd been treated when you were his age, in terms of giving him privacy, that kind of privacy and space? My parents used to do some shit to me where they would like talk about masturbation, which I didn't want to talk about with them, and I didn't want to hear about it with them. Right. And they used to do the thing where they would kind of tease me about having a girlfriend. And so I don't do any of that. I'm, I'm very careful about any of that stuff. I'm, I've never teased Luke uh, about any of that stuff. Now, I have teased him a little bit about certain things, but not that. Right. I just, I don't know. I, and I think that's cool. But my parents, my parents were very liberal and, uh, and I like that, and I think I think that's good. the The difference between me and my parents was, is that I've been, I've done a thing with Luke, kind of his whole life, where I've allowed him to make decisions, decisions that don't have very have low consequences. Yeah, you've given him a sense of autonomy and power in a safe way, in a safe space. Yeah, I mean, I've just let him choose stuff. Whereas when I was growing up, it was like, this is the way you're going to do it. Right. Well, I don't want to do it. What well, doesn't matter. And then if he says, I don't want to do it, I'm like, well, what do you, what do you got? And then we, we can have a talk about it. And then I'll be like, okay, sometimes I'll do that. Or like, like right now with bedtime, I mean, he's in 11th grade. He stays up as late as he wants. Sometimes he'll stay up till one, two o'clock in the morning and he's got school the next day. He's got to get up at seven. And I'm like, let him make those choices. If he wants to be tired all day in school, great. That's that's a low impact decision. And the problem I had was as soon as I got away from my house, I just made bad decisions all the time. I was like, oh, I can do anything I want. I'm going to do everything I want. And that's not a good idea. No, but you're right. You have to do it a little bit to see that it's a bad idea, to feel the consequences of it and be like, well, yeah. I guess doing everything I want doesn't always get me the, the best results. Uh, no, he's a good kid. He's he's. Seems very sensible. I mean, I see him hanging out with his other friends who are his age. They're all, you know, when you're that age. Dude, I just watched this movie last night called The Hand of God. Okay. It just premiered on Netflix, and it's a coming-of-age story about this kid in Italy back in the 80s. Oh, my God. I, it was so great. I love movies about being a teenager and especially that time, I just related to it just cause that you're so when you're that age, you're so full of like, so, you have so many feelings. You don't know what the world is. You just know the world that you were brought up in and you're starting to be exposed to this bigger world that you don't know what it is. And you're just glimpsing it kind of, you're starting to glimpse it. And it's just so you're just filled with this sense of wonder. And this movie just really nails all of it. And then also you're, you know, you're starting to have these sexual feelings and stuff. And oh man, I'm telling you, I laughed so much. I laughed so much watching that movie and cried a lot. Big sensitive guy over there. I guess. I don't know, man. That movie made me cry a lot. The reviews for it were like the critics gave it like an 82, but the audience was like 97. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the audience got it right this time and the critics got it wrong because the critics were like, oh, it's not as good as his best work. And I'm like, what's this guy's best work? And I guess he did that 
series on HBO called The New Pope. Did you ever watch any of that? No, that did not look good to me. It was, I watched a little bit of it. It was not good. Now, I may go back and watch it again now that I've seen how great this director is. I don't know. I've, I feel like all the hoopla surrounding the ending of the show Succession has made me want to finally check that out. Yeah. HBO I, does I'm, good shit, man. I mean, The New Pope's probably pretty good. We just did The White Lotus on HBO, and it was really good. I didn't like it at all. Um, we watched Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu, and White Lotus was like a way better version of that. I didn't like anybody in The White Lotus. You didn't like anybody? I didn't anybody. like any of the characters. I liked the hotel manager. Yeah, he was he was the most... He was fun. Anytime he was on the screen, was it was an exciting thing, because you just did not know what was going to happen but with he that guy. He wasn't a good person. I liked the kid. The kid was likable. The son? The the son that was on the beach. Yeah. He was likable. I liked him. I'm glad the person who di- I don't want to give away who dies. Somebody dies. You find out in the first five minutes that somebody's died on this trip. Right. But you don't know. And I don't like I don't like anything where you know something bad's gonna happen the entire time. Mm-hmm. So and that's what that is. Like the whole time you're like, who died? And then I the the person who died, I'm glad that was the person that died. Of anybody that could have died. That was the best one to have died in terms of like me feeling okay about it. Right. I still didn't like it. I would never recommend that to anybody, but I would recommend The Hand of God. Coming of age story about a kid in Italy. Bob laughed and cried the entire time. It's on Netflix. Check it out, kids. Here's why I know you'll like it. You know why I know you'll like it? Why? 100%. Why? Because there are giant boobs throughout, partially shown. Fully shown parts where you can see through the shirt, nipples a blazing. <laughs> Dude, you'll be, you'll just watch that movie and go, this is 100%. I don't even know what happened. You're talking to me like I don't have access to pornography, which I do. <laughs> I'm not trying to watch a whole movie because there's some boob in it. I'm just saying you won't not like it because of that. I got to say, it doesn't sound good to me, but I don't really like coming of age movies. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know why I don't like them. I guess because I'm not young anymore and I'm not at quite at a stage of my middle age where I look back on that time fondly. I still look back on it and it reminds me that I'm getting older and that's <clears throat> a scary feeling. I'm grappling with that. And I just think you don't know shit when you're a kid. In some ways, you know a lot and all the nice things that you know, the true things you know, get beaten out of you by society. But you just don't know anything. So movies about, I feel that way about movies about kids in their like early 20s too. I'm like, like the, there's nothing worse than the college movie where they're like doing drugs and having sex and they're reading Nietzsche and they think they know everything. Those movies I have a hard time with too. What about Superbad? I never liked it. I never was into that kind of thing. Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to think. I mean, I laughed at it. Like those movies are funny. But I haven't watched it since it came out. When did that come out? Like 2008 or something? Mid-2000s. There's a new movie coming out about Magic Johnson. Or I think it's a show, actually. It looks pretty good. About the Showtime Lakers. Have you watched the uh, Tom Brady doc? No. I haven't either. It's on ESPN Plus. But I'm going to see if I can get a hold of it. Or maybe I'll just fucking subscribe to ESPN Plus. I don't know. I think you get ESPN. Oh, it's ESPN Plus. God damn it. I was going to say, I think you get ESPN with Disney. But I don't yeah, know. If, right. But I don't know if ESPN Plus is. Some, it's so funny. It's basically cable now. Like the a la carte thing is now. Now we're paying more than we would for cable. You know, we I, we basically have cable now. We have Sling, which is like TV, 
Mm. And then we have 10 of the other things that are bundled with other shit. Hulu, Netflix, ESPN, Disney Plus, Shudder. I'm even leaving some out. Amazon Prime. Well, you're leaving out one of my favorites. HBO. BritBox. <laughs> what do you pay for BritBox? Five, five bucks a month. But it all adds up after a while. Yeah, hell yeah, it does. Man, BritBox, that must be heaven for you. I wish I had something that I just liked that much and it was just all there in BritBox. Like one thing where everything I love is... Well, don't isn't that the case with Shutter? I haven't really been watching any movies. I've been watching a lot of the NBA. I have NBA League Pass, so I guess that's my version of that. So every night there are games on. Yeah, I, I've been doing that with the NFL. What like, do you have? The, what's the NFL thing? Is it a League Pass thing? It's called Game Pass, so I can watch every game after it's aired. So five minutes after it finishes i can watch the game the thing with nba is it has to be three hours after it airs if you want to watch the game that you missed which but sucks. you can watch it live it depends on if if the game is being broadcast on anything local you can't watch it on league pass but you can watch it three hours after it airs but so but it, if it's not local it's like not if local it's L- yeah, if it's not, la lakers you can watch yeah. it live yeah, any, on any given night, there's three to 15 games on, and those are all you can watch them on League Pass. And it's got a bunch of other stuff like recaps. And there's a this is the 75th anniversary of the NBA, so there's a lot of NBA 75 stuff. Does, does the NFL game day thing have like a bunch of other fun football stuff? It's got a football, football life, which is a really great sort of biography series about the greatest players of all time. The Jaguars coach got fired after the Titans shut him. There was like a, it was like 20 nothing last week and they fired the coach after that. It's weird. There's, I watch, I say I watch all the games, but I, there's certain teams I just don't watch because they're, they suck. So like if the Jets are playing, I don't, unless it's the Packers, I'm not watching that game because it's going to be a blowout. I don't watch the uh, Jaguars because they're going to get their ass beat. I find that fun. Hey, here in the last five minutes, let me say thank you to some new patrons and read an email. I want, remember one of those episodes where we were talking about Christopher Pixley and whether or not he was a patron? I guess yeah. he wasn't one because he became one. So thank you, Christopher Pixley. Oh, nice. Maria LaFaro became a patron. Jimmy Palacios and Joanne Capecchi increased her pledge because she had that BDE. And when you have the BDE, what are you going to do? Not flaunt it? I mean, you. I don't think you can have BDE unless you up your pledge. You can't. You can't be on that lowest pledge and then like then you're just pretending to have a BDE. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and like you either have BDE or you don't. And here is an email from Jay Middleton, who's a friend of the show. He's also a friend of the Metal Up Your Podcast family over there. The subject is serious talks. He says, Hey Bob and Clint, wanted to let you guys know that I absolutely appreciate the serious talks as a parent of an almost four year old daughter. It really feels nice to hear about the things like controversial topics from dads who are talking about the things that I worry about. How do I have these talks even though I'm progressive? When is it too young to talk about it? It helps me to know that I'm not alone. As much as I love you guys for being funny, I really love it as much when you guys get real and talk about the hard stuff. And then he writes, zip. Oh, man, I was going to say zip, but thank you <laughs> he says, for also, beating me to the zip punch. He says, also, as a musician, I never really hopped on the Beatles train. I think because once I found Metallica and started learning guitar at 13, I didn't really care because I wasn't as open-minded as I am now. I'm just going to start from the first record, but I'm not sure if there's a better way to listen to the whole thing. Hope you guys have a very great holiday season. Sincerely, 
Jay Middleton. I feel like you should start with start with Abbey Road yeah. and work your way back. I agree. I was going to say start with Abbey Road. That's their best album. I mean, it's all it's all pretty good. Yeah, you really kind of can't go wrong. Man, it's weird. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who's in the song game. And he was saying that he wasn't, he didn't think the Beatles were that great. And he watched, I mean, he watched the whole thing. He watched all nine hours and he was just like, ah, I wish they had like Bill Evans or some jazz, you know, nine hours of like Colonius Monk or something. Jesus. But he's like a, he's a musician. He's a musician. (laughs) He's a musician. Like he plays trumpet. He's a really good guitar player. So. But I, it's weird. Anytime somebody's like not super down with the Beatles, like his favorite songwriter of all time is Paul Simon, which so is mine. Yeah, great. I love Paul no Simon. No problem. But just because I love Paul Simon doesn't take away from the fact that the Beatles wrote all those songs. Yeah, he's. I can I already know who he is. He's one. Not not. I'm just saying. I know this type of person. I've talked to them a million times. He thinks he's too smart for the Beatles. He likes intelligent songwriters like Paul Simon. He likes no, heady guys like I, Thelonious Monk and Bill Evans. No, I I don't think so. I There's just something about the Beatles. He thinks it's not smart. Is that not what you're saying? I don't think it's about them being smart or not. I'm not saying that they know they, they, they read anatomy books. I'm saying he thinks the Beatles are kind of dumbed down for the masses it's not heavy enough. He he definitely doesn't think they're as good as somebody like Paul Simon. Well, right, that's what I'm saying. He respects Paul Simon because Paul Simon's a bunch of crazy chords. It's very intellectual songwriting. Yeah, I mean, I, as soon as I talked to him, he recommended some folks, and I listened to some jazz guy who was great, but then I can't, I can't think of his name or I'd say it like Abdul Jamad or something like that. And I listened to him. I was like, oh, this is great. But it made me want to listen to this other guy, Bill Evans, who I mentioned earlier, who was like a big heroin guy. And I listened to him because his music's super sad and very melancholy, which is what I love. And then that made me want to go listen to Paul Simon. And I immediately went to Paul Simon. And they had a live version of The Boxer. And then I was like, fuck, I don't want to listen to Paul Simon singing The Boxer. I want to listen to Art Garfunkel singing The Boxer. So I went to to the bridge over troubled waters Mm -hmm. and then i was like i'm listening to this whole album Mm -hmm. and that album's fantastic but just because that album's fantastic doesn't mean that the album that came out the year before abbey roads any less fantastic they're both incredible yeah i mean i don't know there's always there's always people that just want to be the the guy in the room that don't like the beatles i feel like they always it's always a stretch they're always stretching i've never really heard a, a sensible thing about that well yeah and i've got another friend who doesn't like lana del rey oh god he's like oh her 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 lyrics are so like sophomore they're like high school girl uh diary i'm like what have you listened to any lana del rey she's like one of the greatest lyricists of my life i guarantee you they've just never really listened to it because that's just not true at all it's so weird (laughs) it's people who don't know what they're talking about have you listened to her new album kim trails is that her new album? Kim Chills Over the Country Club? Yeah. Got it on vinyl. I like that one and Norman fucking Rockwell. We were listening to that song Arcadia. We were watching the video tonight. Or this <laughs> tonight. Tonight. When I say tonight, I mean eleven thirty AM at my house. 
<laughs> That's nighttime for me. Right. Eleven thirty a.m. Right, you need to get to bed soon, <laughs> dude. I'm I'm ready for bed right now. We watched that Arcadia, and I'm like, God damn it, this chick is so incredible. But also listening to that song, I realized, hmm, this is some mighty Paul Simony. It's very Paul Simony that song. Hmm. Like listening to it, like just having listened to Paul Simon and then listening to that, I'm like, hmm, this guy, this guy's using some of them Paul Simon chords. Well, she actually writes a lot of her own songs. If you go check out the credits, there's, be surprised at how many of them, like my favorite song on her first record, Born to Die, is called Off to the Races. And it's, it's as good a song as anything. Great chord changes, great hooks, great melodies. She's the only writer on that. She's coming up with the melody. She's coming up with the lyrics. She's writing all the lyrics, all the melody. So that's the coming up with the chords. Yeah, she has some great guys coming up with the chords. But if she's the sole if she's the sole songwriter, then she wrote the chords too. If someone else wrote the chords, that's a co-write. Right. I'm I'm just saying right, but I'm saying there are some people that don't write the melody and don't write the words and just come up with like <laughs> and they get a co-write. <laughs> right. And that's right. not her. She's right. She's doing most of the lifting, which is the melody and the lyric. And then somebody else will come along and do the arrangement, which is, a, that's a big part of what a song is, but it's not what most of the song is. Right. She's incredible. She's an amazing. There's something composer. I want to talk to you about in the Secret Weekly about Lana Del Rey, but we can't talk about it here. So um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for another wonderful year of I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. You can support us on Patreon, like all these other lovely BDE folks did and uh we have some other podcasts bob has a song club and i have metal up your podcast everyone be cool happy new year we'll see you on the flip-flop bye bye